0: A, a new series going to take the, the next several weeks in between some mission services to just encourage uh, encourage everyone in their walk with God. Um, seven simple ways to strengthen your walk with God. Um, how many are grateful that God is He's very intricate and elaborate, but when it comes to communication and understanding, he makes it very simple. It's, it's a marvelous thing about Jesus that he could take the most elaborate texts and the most confusing questions, and he could break them down in a single parable and cause all of the scribes and Pharisees to be left scratching their heads. With simple questions and simple stories, he could take the most confusing and complex questions, and he could bring about answers that people walked away knowing that there was something different about this teacher, and and that we, you know, sometimes we We tend to look at people and their eloquent abilities or uh, maybe their knowledge pool is deep and wide and you feel like yours is shallow and narrow. And sometimes we can tend to look at people like that and we think, you know, wouldn't it be nice just to be a little bit brighter? Anyone ever have that feeling? Anyone ever been in my, been on my block? Anyone kind of been where I was living for a little while, sometimes you say, well, I, I'm a little, but can you just be uh, glad tonight and celebrate tonight that God delights in bringing some of the most, some of the most incredible lessons to us in a simple fashion. God intends for us to understand and to know how to walk with him. It's not confusing. God opens doors of opportunity, and and there is you can go as deep as you want to go, and you can still not find the bottom of God's intelligence. You can go as high as you want to go, and you'll never reach the height of God's ability and God's talents and God's giftings. You can go that way, but if you just want to get through the door sometimes, God doesn't make it so elaborate that we can't get there. We don't have to have 52 weeks of lessons. I'm grateful that we can communicate with people about the power of baptism if they've repented. Then they can be baptized the same day, that same hour. I'm grateful that God makes entrance into salvation simple. I'm grateful for that tonight. I I like Ryan Franklin's terminology, and I like his Bible study. It's just salvation made simple. He's got a follow-up to that. He said the Bible made simple. And I can relate to that, and I'm grateful for that. And, And I have found that as we explore the simple things that God places before us, often we'll find a depth that we didn't realize was there. Not only do we find a depth in God, but you'll find a depth in yourself that you didn't even know was there. Because deep calls unto deep. There is something that resides on the inside of you. There is a discontentment with complacency. That is on the inside of every individual. There is something on the inside of you that, that desires to know more about God than you've ever known before. Aren't you grateful for that? But when we begin to just start our journey, and sometimes we've got to go back to the bases, the basics, so that we can we can strengthen our walk with God. And I, I just want to take a few weeks and talk about seven different ways to strengthen your walk. And, and I want to um, lean in with this Little story from the book Second Kings, chapter five. Now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And so we have this man, a general of the army. Let's go back to Sunday school for a minute. Let's make it real simple, all right? General of the army important to his master, used by God, truly a great man. But Naaman, the captain, had leprosy. Naaman, the captain, had leprosy. And it just so happened that a young girl that had been captured by King Aram uh, became Naaman's wife's maid. And we read in Chapter 5, verse 3, it says that she said unto her mistress, this little girl comes in and she says, I, I would God my Lord that were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. If, if only Naaman could get in touch with Elisha, he, he would be healed. He would be. He, he, she just had this, this level of faith. If you look at the terminology, she's not saying he might be or it, it just might happen that. She said, if, if he could just get in touch with the prophet, then he would be healed. He would be. It would happen. She had no doubt. There was no uh, discouragement in the idea that 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 if she just could get these two individuals connected, God would do something powerful. God would do something powerful. And I and I, I love the the response of Naaman. There's no dismissal of this child's faith. There's no pity party that he sends and sends himself off into. He doesn't kind of you know head for the back room and say you know why why can't people just see me for who I am and instead of This leprosy. He doesn't kind of go into a pity party. There's no rebuttal. There's no argument. He immediately responds to this statement. And he goes to King Aram. And he he states the girl's case for healing. and, And then all the human engineering starts. Because the child's faith is simple. Someone say simple. She says, if I can just get Naaman connected with Elisha, God would heal him. And then... Then we get the smart guys in the room. Then we get the powerful guys in the room. Then we then we get the kings in the room. We get, we get all the people with their talents and giftings, and everybody starts talking. The engineering starts, and 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 you know, we just begin to see all this conflagration of the simplicity. It begins to get inflated. And, Next thing we know, we see Naaman. He's got 750 pounds of silver, he's got 150 pounds of gold, he's got uh, the king of Syria writing letters of introduction to the king of Israel, and, and now we've got the king, the two kings of kingdoms involved. And and all the little girls said was just get Naaman connected to Elisha. All we gotta do, and now all of a sudden we got Man alive! We got letters flying. We got emails going. We have got cell phones. made. Listen, we we got to get these guys connected. We're talking. We're sending over our top level general to your top level prophet. So let's get everybody in the room. And I've been guilty of that. I enjoy uh, I enjoy voices around the table, um, but I have learned a lot from Pastor Woodward. So sometimes you just got to break it down to the simple. Let's just, Jack. We don't need fifty five people. To figure out how to sweep the parking lot. But think of what could happen if we get 55 people with a broom. We don't have 55 brooms. We just need the one guy. Okay. So we have all of this confusion that comes in because we've got to complicate it, don't we? We've got to complicate it. We... We've got, to, we've got to get it so it's, you know, everybody is just all in a lather and people are flying back and forth and kings are sitting in thrones and Syria's deploying individuals and, and we've got the king of Israel all up in arms because he's worried that there's a, some kind of plot in his kingdom and he, we, you know, and all, all, all we want is healing, simple, Simple. It's just all we want is is to get this general with the prophet and something will happen. And so we read how humanity can confuse the simplicity. And so we see it happen. Naaman, he finally shows up. We get the kings of the kingdom settled down. And Naaman shows up. He's He's coming with his pomp and his splendor. He's got horses and chariots. And, and it says that he stands at the door of the house of Elijah. And in my mind, I can just see, you know, he doesn't even get off his horse. He's just, you know, it's just a cloud of dust. And we got military formation. And we've got horses and generals. And we've got individuals. And now we got Naaman at the front of the line. he's sitting there on his horse in front of the door of Elijah, the prophet's household. And Elisha is more of the mindset of the little girl. He doesn't even come to the door. He sends his messenger. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, um, unto him saying, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Set timer. Set my alarm for tomorrow morning, you know. Elisha goes back to recline in his quarters, and Naaman is sitting there confused. He's mad. This is not what he expected. He is used to kings and kingdoms and letters and gold and silver, and he's got pack mules weighed down with gold, and he's got pack mules weighed down with silver, and they're just now all of a sudden he's he's left with simple instruction and he doesn't Know what to do with simple. Don't you like just simple wisdom sometimes? Check the oil in the car. What? How do you do that? There's a dipstick. Dipstick. He knew that was coming, I heard it too. There's a dipstick. It's not rocket science. We don't need, you know, seven engineers to figure out if the line of oil in the vehicle is on the dipstick. We don't need all, you know, it's just keep it simple and 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 name it. He doesn't know how to do simple. It seems too elementary, it's too simplistic, it's too easy. It's easy. And he just wants to remove himself from this whole opportunity. And you see, Naaman's got two diseases. He's got pride and he's got leprosy. Naaman was wroth and he went away and said, behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. An and Abbana and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. A man not watching them and be clean, so he turned and he went away in a rage. And how often are the commandments of God available to us, but we want to reject them because they are so simple. God, where is the lightning and thunder? God, where is the prophet that shows it, you know we chuckle sometimes because we've had powerful men of God here? We've had men of God here that have read people's mail. We've had men of God here that literally have told people stuff that they need to do and how they need to act and what they need to straighten out. And we've had men of God here. And, and there was one, one guy here, he, he operates in the prophetic, and he came one time, and, and he, he went down the whole line. I mean, he gave a word to Bishop, and he gave a word to Sister Woodward, and he gave a word to Kathy, and he gave a word to our whole staff. You know, everybody, he just went down the line, and, and here's little old Jack. right over Jack, just right by me, and I'm like, God, where's my word, where's the lightning, I thought, I said, oh, no, no, I know what God's doing, I know, I got this figured out, I I need a word from God, how many just love a word from God, I love it when God reads my mail, I love it, I love it when it's stamped, signed, sealed, delivered, my name on the envelope, it's direct, without question mark, it's for me, I love it when God, and God can do that, But sometimes God just expects us to keep on walking. But I knew, I knew what God was doing. I knew. I knew because I had to take him to the airport at 4.30 in the morning. And I knew he was going to get me alone in the car. and God was going to give me a word. I drove him to the airport. And he was half asleep. Got there and got his luggage out and took his, you know, I'm not giving up. I took his luggage right to the counter. As a matter of fact, I paid for the luggage. I'm going to stay with him as long. God, if you're going to take him up in the whirlwind of Air Canada, I'm going to be there when the mantle falls. I want a double portion anointing and, and off he went through security and there was nothing left behind. And I was left standing there saying, wow. Not a word. Not, not even a hint of a word from God. I know how Naaman felt that day. And I turned around and Kathy said, well, did he give you a word from God? I was like, I didn't get nothing. I think he was drooling on the passenger seat. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. But was God talking? Absolutely. But in ways that I didn't expect. And here we are, you know, decade later, and God's still talking, and God's still moving, and God's still working. Sometimes it's not going to happen the way you expect it to happen. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that does not happen. I look for it. I, I, I'm, I have an ear for it. I, I want God to... To speak that way in our church, I want the gifts of the Spirit to operate that way. But but sometimes God just brings it down to simple walking with God. How how desperate are you, Naaman? How how bad do you want your healing? I'm amazed sometimes at the starts we have, and how quickly we can come to a screeching halt. Paul saw it at the church in Galatia. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? He said, you you got off on the right foot. You got off to a great start. But what happened? What happened? You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Because sometimes we just get sidetracked and sidelined. Sometimes we just need to go back to simple walking with God. Naaman said it. He said, "I, man, why, did, why didn't he come out and give me the word? Why didn't he come out and just lightning and thunder and, you know, extend the, the rod of God and Naaman's put off by that welcome and he's put off by the simple request. Surely that can't be that simple. Surely this Sickness in my body can't be healed with that simple instruction, can it? My healing, my future, my everything is on the line. And all he wants me to do is go dip seven times in Jordan. So Naaman, he's, he's, just, he's just totally rattled. He's totally put off by this. But the scripture says his servants. But his servants come near and spake with him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee to do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith unto thee, wash and be clean. Why can't you just do that? Naaman, why don't we just start there? Naaman, what have we got to lose? What have we possibly got to lose? Why, why don't we just start there and... And how often do we just need to revisit some of the simple things that God calls us to do because God is trying to do something powerful and mighty in us. But he just needs us to hear the word and do the simple request that he has given to us. We've all got to battle leprosy in our lives. The sin problem is universal. The challenge is real and the battle lines have been drawn. And God requires, God requires perfection of us and we don't meet the mark daily. So what do we do? What do we do when we deal with leprosy? How how do we learn how to walk? And I I really believe that God is is challenging us just in simple ways. And we're going to just unpack seven of them for the next couple of weeks. Simple ways that God is saying, here's how you can walk successfully with me. This is how simple walking with me, can be. The simple actions that we can implement in our lives allow us to be clean. The experience of greatness is available. It's there for us, but God just requires us to respond to this simple request. It was seven times that the prophet asked him, he said, go wash seven times in Jordan. And seven was symbolic in ancient and eastern Israel, Israel, Israel culture culture. And literature, it communicated a, a sense of fullness or completeness. The word is there intentionally, but that word seven, if you looked at it in its language, in the original language, you would see that it has the same consonants as the words complete or full. And so whenever we see seven in the Bible, and if you'll just notice with me for a moment tonight, that's the significance of seven. Let's just think back to creation and God starts creation. We have seven days. And on the seventh day, God rests. So we see completeness, wholeness, perfection. God, God does this work in seven days. Seven days, and you'll look, begin to look through Scripture for the examples. God's, God's request to Israel when they came into the Promised Land: march around Jericho for seven times. Uh, Elijah's servant goes looking for rain, and the Bible says that they pray and they go look seven. Times. There's something about seven in scripture, and then in relation to our conversation tonight, even if you were to look at what was required of the lepers, that they were sprinkled seven times, and so there is something to what the prophet has requested of Naaman, there's a significance there, there's a scriptural significance, and then there's a personal significance, that, that Naaman has to humble himself, Because he would have loved to have heard the challenge to take his army into battle. To fight the enemy and come out on the other side victorious. That would have been engaging for him. That would have been a challenge. He would have loved even to hear about something from his own nation. But to hear that he needed to go and wash. I mean that's kind of humiliating in itself, isn't it? Go wash. I'm not sure if you've ever been told to go wash before or not. But if you did, I'm going to guess that wasn't your finest moment. (laughs) Go wash. But when the prophet stood before this mighty man and said, go wash. There was humility that had to come into Naaman's spirit. And it's the same with us people. We, We can see it easy in Naaman, but it's difficult to see in ourselves. And so with nothing left to lose, but whatever shred of pride he has left, the scripture says, then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again unto like, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Elisha's word to Naaman was, go wash, go wash. Seven times, just seven ways to improve and strengthen and encourage your yourself in your walk with God. we just like to talk about those tonight, and the first one is wash. If you looked through Scripture, washing was significant. I mean, just off the top of your head, you think about Jesus and the disciples' feet. He washed their feet. If you... Were to go back into the Old Testament, you would find, and we know that <clears throat> the tabernacle was a powerful picture of what was to come. And we do talk a lot about the brazen altar. It was that largest piece of furniture that all the rest could fit in. Um, but it wasn't just that that was in the outer courtyard. That that brazen altar, we know that the fire had to ever be burning. It had to continually be burning. That the sacrifice was to be offered daily and And that the the priesthood was to come before that altar. And that altar, the blood that was shed, without the shedding of blood, there was no remission. That sin was taken care of when that blood was applied on the altar. And then all the way through to the holiest of holies. The Ark of the Covenant, the blood would be carried through. But before the priest could enter, there was the brazen laver. And so in the same manner, in the same measure, and I've read a little bit in the last couple of days about the brazen labor, and the brazen labor, the significance was, was in the commentator's words, it was that it was one of the most frequently used pieces of furniture in the tabernacle, most frequently used, now the altar was required to be used daily, but yet the brazen labor, because we all get dirty sometimes, and these priests, as they went about the business of the priesthood, that their feet would get dirty, their hands would get dirty. They, they, they inevitably the, the, what their activity involved of them, it required their constant and consistent washing. There was an upper pool for their hands, and then there was a lower pool for their feet. Because they just couldn't wash their hands and then continue on. They had to be absolutely cleansed. And, and it just spoke to me because so often when we just walk through life, there are times that, yes, there, we fall into sin. But sometimes just walking through the world that we live in, we get dirty. Sometimes just walking in the world that we live in, there are things that we see and there are things that we hear. And, and sometimes the engagement that we have with the world, we, we kind of walk away and we say, man, that does not feel good. I, I don't like that. I just want to be washed. I, I don't feel like I'm I'm very clean right now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know that this world that we live in, it's come on, it's sinful, it's wayward, it's apart and away from God. But but God calls us to be people of holiness. And if we ever heard a word that is simple, it's that we need to wash. The altar spoke of the blood, but the laver spoke of the water. The altar uh, in, in the scripture, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Hebrews Hebrew 9.22. But the laver points to this, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That God calls us to a place of sanctification. God calls us to a place of personal cleansing. God calls us to a place where we take Ourselves, we take concern for ourselves, and we say, "There's some things in my life that I've got to clean up. There's some things in my life that I've got to clean out. There's some things that they just kind of crept in. They just got in. We just, I just got, I just got dirty. I, it, maybe it was intentional. Maybe it wasn't intentional. I, I, don't know where you're at tonight, but, but sometimes it's so easy for us just to be naming, content with leprosy, waiting for the big word, and God is just saying, cleanse yourselves." Cleanse yourselves. We need a personal altar. We need a personal altar in our lives. We need a place where we can pray. We need a place where we bow our knee and we bow our head and we bow our heart and we communicate with God. But we also need a place in our life where we wash. Where we wash ourselves in the spirit. Where we cleanse our lives. Where we move some things out and we move some things in. We need that in our lives. He, uh, the psalmist declared it in Psalm 51 verse 7 he said purge me with hyssop and i shall be clean wash me and i shall be whiter than snow does anybody just want to be washed tonight is anybody just just hungry for that cleansing for for god to do something on the inside of us because it's easy to get dirty in our world it's easy we need to call ourselves to a place of spiritual cleansing In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, and we can come back to the music tonight, the scripture said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he, because God has a purpose in all of this. Again, we're talking about our walk with God, right? We're talking about this personal relationship that we have with God. We're talking about how we can do this better. Seven simple ways. The, the first way is simple, wash. It's the first step we got to take. But, but before, we, before we are aware of our need to be washed, we've got to, we've got to take a close inside look. We've got to be aware of where we are in our lives. We've got to be honest with ourselves. If Naaman was honest with himself, it would not have mattered what the prophet had commanded him to do. He would have done it without hesitation. But somewhere he got content with the leprosy. Somewhere he got content. He said, well, I, I'm not going to do that. Somewhere maybe it was, wasn't a very big spot yet. Maybe it wasn't very bad. Maybe he wasn't under the law of the Levitical priesthood. Maybe he wasn't under Israel's rule. Maybe he just was trying to skip under the wire. But here's what I know. He knew when he got to thinking about it, that had to be cleansed. And there are things in our life, church, And God is calling us to a place of sanctification because there is something that God wants to do powerful in our church. God wants to bring revival, but revival always opens up something. Revival always releases this understanding of a a closeness to God that we need to have. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. It's not rocket science. It's about repentance. Even after we've been saved. And we will celebrate with the angels on that new person that comes and bows their knee in a place of repentance. We will celebrate. We will rejoice. We will, will, come on, we will get with it. Shouldn't we be the same way about ourselves? That we acknowledge the need that, God, there's just some things in my life. I've got to repent of them. I, I've got to turn away from some things. Somehow, my attention got riveted, or my attention, I got distracted. I, I turned the wrong way. I went the wrong way. But God is saying, you know what? Repent. Turn away. And turn to Lord and walk. And God's saying, when you acknowledge the need for cleansing, then you'll be washed that he might present it to himself. A glorious church. We want to be part of a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. I've learned a few things in, in the last 30 some years. I have learned that as we get closer to God that as we get closer to God the spotlight shines brighter that the standard gets lifted higher and that's okay because God doesn't God doesn't let that go unrewarded It was Isaiah. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Maybe until that point, he had only seen King Uzziah on the throne. But when King Uzziah died, his vision was open, and he saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. And he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And the more that we understand about our proximity to the Holy is that the closer we get, the more undone we become. Isaiah said, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone. I've read that scripture thousands of times probably. And I said, what does undone mean? I know in my mind what undone means. It didn't get done. Simple, right? Something left was left undone. I looked it up. You know what undone means in in that verse? Undone means, Isaiah said, I was brought to silence. And then he gave the reason. He said, because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Isaiah said, I can't speak a word. I I know I've been called to be the prophet, but I can't say anything because the closer I got to God and when I finally got a vision of God and when I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, hmm, I couldn't say anything. My I became a man. I was undone. I couldn't say anything because my voice was unclean. My words were unclean. I lived in the midst of people that were unclean. We were unclean. But God doesn't leave Isaiah there. You see, God, when he sees that we see that we aren't clean, God says, let me, re- let me respond, let me react, let me solve this problem, let me solve this sin issue. And the Bible says, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it on my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I just came with a simple word for someone tonight, that if you came with sin in your life, God intends to purge it and God intends to cleanse it if you're willing to see it if you're willing to see it God wash us because we live in the midst of a people with unclean lips we are people with unclean lips but God if you'll cleanse it, God, if you'll lift a coal off the altar and you'll place it on our mouth, God, if you'll do the work, then we won't maintain our silence any longer. He was undone, but watch what happens. He said, I heard... The voice of the Lord also saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then said, I. You see, God's got a response to the sin question in your life and the sin problem. God wants to answer it. God wants to meet you right where you are. And Isaiah went from being a man that was undone to a man that said, here am I. Send me. That's what can happen with cleansing. Cleanse me, Lord. He went from being silenced to being sent. He went from being a man that was undone, a man that had been silenced, to a man that became someone that declared the word of God. We'll never change unless we see ourselves as unclean. We'll never see the people we dwell with changed until we see them as unclean. I, I'm not saying that we are critical or we have a bad spirit about. it I'm just saying that sometimes we've got to take a good inward look. We've got to, we've got got to let the word speak to us. We've got to let conviction rest on us, so that daily we can be clean. Go wash? Yeah, that was, that was harsh. That was, that was, that was rude, probably. But that was reality. The prophet needed to speak to that man of war and say, Naaman, you need to go wash. Simple? Mm -hmm. Necessary? Absolutely. It was the lepers' requirement in Israel to declare. What was their statement that they were required to speak? unclean are you glad that god doesn't every time that some thought crosses our mind that shouldn't be there that we don't oh thank god unclean unclean i just coveted unclean i unclean that was what was required for that leper in the old testament That doesn't mean we live with that. God's calling us to a place of cleansing and God is calling us to a place where he can take the coal from off the altar and place it on our lips. And we go from undone to called into service in just a moment of time. Would you stand together with me? I feel the help of the Lord right now. I don't know where every person is, but... I think a good place to start would just be asking the Lord to take an inward look in our lives. To shine the spotlight of his word and let it search us. Search me, oh God, and try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, look at my life. Look at my mind. Look at my spirit. God, look at my voice. Look at my track record. God, cleanse me today. There's a call in this room right now and I I wish that we would respond because God wants to take us someplace in the next few weeks. God wants to take us into a depth that we've yet to be in. God wants to take us into places of revival, but He wants to take us there together. And it's going to require some inward work. And I'm not I don't I don't have any laundry list. I don't have any emails of what people are doing. I got none of that. As far as I'm all you're no, as far as I know, you're all perfect. except I know a little bit about human nature. I got a little idea about everybody. Is that everybody's got something that they're dealing with. I like what John Orberg said, everybody's normal. Until you get to know them. But I hear the echo of the Prophet. Speaking to that (coughs) general of the army of Syria to go wash. Could have started in many places tonight, but I think God just wanted a fresh page. God just wanted a fresh start for somebody tonight. And that is what the message really is. We haven't come to dwell on the wrong. We've come to dwell on what God can make right. That's why we're here. Because we want to hear the voice of God. We, we want to be commissioned into His service. We want to be compelled into His purpose. We want that tonight. But well, we've got to be willing to take a look. Would you just make this very personal tonight? The psalmist said, purge me with hyssop. Maybe every head bowed. Maybe you want to lift a hand and just talk to God for a moment. But there is that call that comes. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be white snow. Father, tonight we are praying. God, we stand in this room and we lift our voice. God, we echo the words of Isaiah and we resonate with the reality of Naaman tonight. We are, God, we dwell in the people of unclean lips. We dwell in an unclean land. We dwell amongst unclean people. And God, sometimes it but sometimes it impacts and sometimes it affects us and it distracts us and it delays what you're trying to do in our life and it distorts the reality of where we're living. I pray, Father, that you would allow us to see clearly things that maybe we've just become comfortable with but you're calling, you're calling that to our remembrance right now. You're bringing it to the surface in our mind. You're challenging us God you're challenging us to a place of cleansing you're challenging us to a place of repentance you're challenging us tonight because you have great purpose for us just pray for a moment we'll sing in a minute but would you just pray for a moment it's alright to pray in the Holy Ghost because it knows better than we know what we need to pray about God you know us better than we know ourselves and you know where you're taking us God you're knowing what we need to leave behind to climb to go higher to go deeper God you know tonight God, I pray, let your spirit, let your word work.